and welcome to Analyze This, the self-help podcast that just can't help itself. I am one of two Hannah. <laughs> I am one of two Hannahs, Hannah Hart. And today I will be taking the reins on this solo episode as we discuss the topic of habit breaking. A uh, brief content warning, today's episode will contain mentions of childhood neglect and uh, you're feeling tender. Well, ah, that's still a good time to listen to. I don't know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, I care about your well-being. Okay, great. Enjoy! So today I wanted to take some time and talk a little bit about habit breaking. Um, And not just habit breaking, well, I say just as if your standard forms of habit breaking are at all easy. You know, let's say you've uh, noticed a behavior or a reaction of self that is habitual and you would like to simply not do that habit anymore. Uh, That being said, sometimes the key to breaking a habit is forming a ritual. Um, Spoiler alert, we might arrive at that conclusion for me in particular regarding this one habit. So let's just start storytelling, Harto. Yeah, that sounds good. So, as you guys know, I, I'm I'm an adult now, and I'm married, and I'm forming my own household, and I've got my own partnership, and I'm seeing appear before me all these ways of interacting and instincts that don't really belong here in this life, in this house. And I'm going to speak uh, very particularly to motivation for me and how I know how to maintain motivation. Um, It's hard to get motivated. I get a lot of questions from people saying like, how do you stay motivated? How do you get motivated? How do you start your day? Blah, 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 blah. And it's blood, sweat, and tears. Frankly, I think of motivation like a little ember. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the program Naked and Afraid. Really great, really great program showing how difficult it is to start a fire from scratch. Quick sidebar, I tried to start a fire from scratch in my fire pit the other night, and it's hard. It's hard to start a fire from scratch. Really, really hard. It's really hard. So think about that. Anyway, um, I think of motivation like an ember. People call it like a spark. It, that'll suddenly spark and then boom, you've got motivation. But the, the spark only works if you are um, highly combustible and prone to maintaining motivation. So I start every day with an ember. And like building a fire, I need to feed that ember for it to grow into a substantial flame. Uh, I can't just rely on that ember to provide enough energy, enough heat for my motivation to be self-maintained. I I genuinely have to feed my motivation and I feed my motivation in a variety of ways. Um, I get up, I physically get out of bed. That's the only chance this ember has for me. I physically get up, I brush my teeth. That's the only chance this ember has for me. I drink some water and I stroke the flames, no. And I, I start to do my rituals, and this is all for the sake of keeping the ember alive, not necessarily letting the ember grow into a smolder and letting it grow. Let's look up the, what's the, what are the terms? Embers, ember progress into flame terminology. 
Oh, these are a bunch of terms that I do not need or understand. <laughs> Smoldering to flaming. Okay. So I think when people perceive another person's motivation, or I think when people perceive my own personal motivation, they see me as a flame, that I have this fire within me that is burning and I, I use it to, to manifest things I want to make or things I want to do. But there is no fire within me. There is absolutely no fire within me. But I do have a chance at keeping a single ember that I can hopefully grow into a flame. And I have to feed that ember. I have to try and grow that fire every single day. Every single day. Every single day. I wish I woke up with a flame. Wouldn't that be something? But I just don't. But sometimes I wake up with an ember. And with that ember, I have a chance. And that is so awesome. And I'm so proud of myself for finding a way to wake up with an ember now. Because really, frankly, in the past, sometimes you don't even have that. You don't even have that ember. You don't have that spark. Some days are just emberless. And then you have to spend time even trying to get your ember to form at all. So anyway, this analogy, stick with me. I'm going somewhere. So I've got my tiny, tiny little ember. And in total solitude and, and autonomy... I learned how to survive and how to stoke that ember into a flame. However, I do not live alone in this world. Blessedly, humans are relational animals, and though I did figure out at an early age how to physically survive and how to physically manifest my own little tiny ember in total autonomy and isolation, I do not want a life of total autonomy and isolation. I have, I have love, and I have surroundings, and I have, I have, I have survived past that point. But unfortunately, my ember doesn't know that. And my body and my mind, my natural defaults and responses don't know that. I haven't learned it down on the cellular level. I've only learned it on the top, top bar level. So all this is to say, I am incredibly prone to defeat. And when you have X factors around you, aka the existence of other humans, it's a, it's a different, it's different. It's different now. It's different now. So, okay. When I say I'm incredibly prone to defeat, what I mean is that it's really easy to put that ember out. And when I say I'm, I'm prone to defeat, I literally mean that since I only understood how to motivate myself in autonomy, really simple nonchalance and anything less than deeply encouraging conversations, dialogues, and reactions, I will just interpret as threat. And I will just think that this is going to, this is going to smother my, my little spark that I'm trying to protect, which can make me very, very, um, prone to withdrawal and like pushing people away and isolating myself. Cause I'm like, Oh no, the most important thing is that I have to keep this ember going. Cause if I don't, I will physically die. Um, and now I know that sounds like really extreme guys, but, and this is where this is where you gotta, this is where you gotta understand a little bit of where the source of my ember protectiveness comes from. I, I really want to share this because, how do I put this? Right now I'm resisting, or right now I am battling with um, a feeling of self-centeredness and uh, belittling my own experience by thinking that even sharing my experience is somehow 
trying to, I don't know, make me seem special, but like I'm sharing my experience because I, what I've learned in my time in this portion of my life, what I learned by having an artistic career is that there are so many people out there who relate to me that by not sharing or talking about it, I'm preventing myself from feeling connected. So no, I'm not trying to feel unique or novel out here in the world. I'm just trying to talk about my life in a way without shame. And so I'm fighting against shame right now. But anyway, here's the story I'm going to tell. It's not even a story. It's just a fact. So when I talk about how important it was for me to keep this ember going, otherwise I would physically die, I really, I truly mean it. Um, Oh, God, a notification just went off. Um, you know, it's hard for me to, okay, it's okay, Anna. Hold on, I'm going to sit down. One second. So when I was small, we did not, we, when I was small, I had to take care of myself and, you know, children are, I guess, supposed to be tended to like a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old, I guess you're supposed to take care of them. I mean, I know that for a fact. Anyway. Mom, if you happen to be listening to this episode, I love you, Mom. You're great, Mom. I love you. I love you. Anyway, the household we grew up in, um, just as an example, I don't, we didn't have any cups. Like there were never clean cups. There were never cups. We didn't have cups. I don't have any memories of filling up a glass of water. I don't have any memories of being handed a glass of water. I don't have anything that's, that's water. So what I do remember when I think about something as basic and primal as thirst is I remember drinking from the bathtub, like being really, really small, thinking about where water comes from and turning on the big cold bathtub tab because that to me was like the cleanest, coldest water. It's like I'll drink from the bathtub. I remember a lot of soda. I remember like the Burger King soda cups, but like not cups, but like, you know, the disposable, those things, but I don't remember water. So when I talk about my ember uh, being formed as motivation to not literally die, that's, that's what I mean is that it takes a lot for a very, very small person to A, recognize the feeling of thirst and B, apply the appropriate solution. Um. And so I couldn't sit there in longing and devastation. It just, you just got to go figure out a way to get some water, man. So I say all this because my, and you'd think like, wow, oh my God, that must make you basically indestructible. Like that must mean that like there's nothing that can get in the way between you and, and your motivation and your drive. Well, your ember must be so hot that even the tiniest, tiniest bit of fuel must set it ablaze. And, and you're right and you're wrong because this is where I get back to the automaton uh, idea, which is that, yes, in total independence and isolation, it, all it took was the barest, tiniest little bit of fuel to set that ember into a smolder and to build that smolder into a flame because that's, that's, that's all it was. However, conversely, it also took the tiniest bit of smothering to put that ember out. 
And so here's how it applies in my adult life. And I hope you guys are hanging in there with me because I, I, I hang in there with me. You know, I know this is not um, just hang in there with me. I, I, I do believe that even if you're like, for some reason, rolling your eyes like, oh, there Hannah goes unpacking stuff again. This is my version of self-help. I have no, there's no, this is my version of self-help. Like there's no top level. There's nothing else I can do. This is me. And I accept that. And so I want to have a podcast where we talk about life and growth and all these beautiful things. And this is my version of it. Okay. So yeah. So I'm going to get into what the motivation and the, the prone to putting out the ember smothering habit breaking that I want to do right after this. So as a highly motivated uh, automaton, I, or as a person who struggles to maintain their ember, I like to do things. Sometimes the best thing for me and my mental health is to manifest something. I need to do something. I need to fix something. I need to improve my home environment. I need to change up. I need, I need to, I have to do something to reconnect with my life. That's just who I am. I need to make something or I need to work on something. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. Nothing in our lives encourages that. And that really sucks. Like we are just fully informed to be on our phones or be watching TV or just be sluggish. And that just is so awful. And it makes my skin crawl and it's really icky for me and I hate it. And also it is the path of least resistance and the easiest default state, even though I know it makes me feel unwell. Anyway, so I live in partnership and something that I've noticed that's, that's happened lately with, my, with me and my partner is that our, um, our habitual responses to things can reinforce our negative defaults. And let me speak more clearly. For instance, I really want to make a piece of art to put on our wall that's a moss art wall. We've been talking about this literally since January I was like, I think this would be a great art project to do together. I think we can just buy a bunch of fake moss, go to Michael's, get a bunch of stuff, la, 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 la. I think it's going to be great. Every time I bring this up, like, I think, like, I want to go to my, I want to go get the stuff for the moss art on the wall. And when I say moss art, I mean literally like a piece of wood, a frame, and you take a hot glue gun and you do a design and you just glue a bunch of fake moss in a beautiful pattern and boom, then it looks like you have this beautiful living thing. It's not that hard. And if you look, if you Google moss art, you can see live, like living moss art. That's not what I'm trying to do. I, I, I mean, to be fair, I did initially want to try and do the living one, but setting myself up for success, the, the fake plant dead one is what's going to be best for me. So that would really fill my cup. That would fill my cup. I want to get this done. Now, Ella is a very social person, and so for her, it's always like, let's make a plan, let's do something social to fill cups. And I'm like, God, I just only want to make, I just don't want to do that. But whatever, that's, that's neither here nor there. That's not, that doesn't apply to this. Ella gets stressed out uh, 
with clutter and her initial gut reaction is no. It's fear. It's no. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. No, not today. Nah. Oh, God, you really want to go to the store? Are you really going to make that? Are you going to make that whole thing today? Da, 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 da. Like all this fear comes up. And that's like her inherent response is that it's going to be something that will ultimately be bad. And that's so scary. And I have so much compassion for that. Like, oh, no, a negating fear response. That sucks to carry so much anxiety that even the thought of embarking on a new project with a highly motivated person who can't wait to get it done makes you scared. You know, like when I said, I'm going to paint the kitchen, Ella was like, there's no way. What are you thinking? You can't blah, blah, blah. And I can't live like that. I can't live like that. I can't live like that. I can't live with this no negating contrarian mentality because I won't go to the bathtub and get water. I will die. If I just said no, I would die. I have to say yes. Is what happens inside me. That's what happens inside me. So I was talking about this in therapy and I was like, I'm so upset. I'm so frustrated. I just want a companion. I'm just, I just want companionship so, so bad. And I just have to accept that I'll never have companionship. And my therapist rightfully pointed out that I do in fact have companionship uh, very much so. And that what was coming up for me in this, in this pattern, in this dynamic, you know, because of course my thought was, well, Here's the solution. Never ask Ella to go to the hardware store. Here's the solution. Just leave the house, get the stuff, and come back. Here's the solution. Stop trying to share activities with your partner. Here's the solution. Don't communicate your hopes or your needs or your energy. Just become an automaton. Just accept that you're never going to get that from this person and start to create a prison of your own design? Question mark? Yeah. No, that's not good. That's not what I want. And that's not, that's not the life I want to build for myself. I don't need to accept that because that is a fear that I'm telling myself. That would be devastating to me. To have an, a lonely, companionless partnership would be awful. I've already survived. Humans are relational beings. I have lived without companionship. It is not good. It's not healthy. It's not good. But I have survived it. And this interaction that I'm having at the hardware store is not that. So this is the habit breaking. Instead of trying to erase my need or my want or my request by avoiding the conversation altogether because I can't bear the devastation that comes from the no response, what I'm going to do is try to cut the string that takes me out of my reality to cut the string that pulls me all the way back into the past, into real prior devastation. And like, that's, dude, this is like, this is some like golden, like this is good shit. Listen up. Like, you already survived. But your body doesn't know that. Your body doesn't know that yet. It doesn't know that. And it will take a lifetime to rewire, and that's okay. But choosing the automaton route won't heal that. And um, I I want you guys to know what automaton means. It means um, like a machine that is like um, 
that performs its functions, but it doesn't need anything. It just does its thing. It's like, you know, it's not like a perpetual motion thing. It just means like a fully independent machine. It's not like being operated by a human. It's operating by itself. Okay. It's that. So that's what I mean. Operating by itself. I have, I, when I am standing there saying, I want to go get the stuff for the moss wall. And Ella says anything or shrugs or goes, eh, eh. What I feel in that moment is devastation. And that devastation is real, but not in the present. So this is some time traveling shit. This is some body keeps the score stuff. I feel heartbroken and devastated. And habitually, I have turned to anger as a survival mechanism. Habitually, I've been like, fine, I don't need you anyway. Fine, I don't need companionship. Fine, I will make it by myself and it will be perfect and wonderful and good. And that's just the way it is. And I'll do it alone. And I'll do it alone. Fine, I'll do it alone. I will not wait for someone to bring me water. It will never come. I will do it alone. That's all true, but it's in the past. That's not the present. So the thing that I'm working on, the habit I'm working on, is that when this interaction comes up, because it's so natural to shrug, sometimes people don't want to go to the store. I'm a highly motivated, I am a person, I was going to say a highly motivated person. Um, I'm desperate. I'm a desperate person always reaching into my life to stay alive. And so, you know, you can't, I could not expect my beloved to always want to do everything I want to do when I want to do it, which I really don't. I don't expect that. All I expect is not to be shut down when I'm trying to do things, but whatever, sometimes, but shutting down isn't even really shutting down. People shrug. People don't want to do it. People don't want to go to the store. People don't want to get up. Everything's fine. That's okay. Because the present is not the past. The devastation feels real because the connective tissue of my body, the string is there and it pulls me all the way back into such a deep, sorrowful neglect that it feels like it's going to suffocate me, that I'm really going to die. And what I have to learn is, yes, that feeling is real. You really did feel like you were going to die. I mean, think about how thirsty a little kid has to be to figure out a way to get water. Yes, the reason why it feels so devastating and so powerful is because that devastation is real. And it's not happening now. And so the habit I want to break is to slow down and recognize when that response comes up. You know, because in the past, I would either angrily, resentfully force myself to continue on with my project rejecting all forms of love and companionship offered to me throughout the end of the day. Like, oh, do you want lunch? Do you want this? Do you want help? Blah, blah, blah. Nope, 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 nope. Fool me once. Ha ha. Nope. Never going to ask you to participate again. No, 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 no. That's, that's, this, that's the habit I can break. That's the habit I can break. And to break that habit, I'm going to recognize when that string has come and pulled and is pulling me back into the past. And so the solution that I came up with in therapy, by the way, um, I'm, 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 I'm reflecting this in reverse order. It started out with the session I had recently started out with me saying, I just wish I had a wife that wanted to do things. Rah, rah. I'm just so, oh, I'm so resentful. How do I not feel resentful again? 
And it's like, hmm, this resentment, where is it? Is it anger? Oh, yeah, I'm so angry. Hmm, anger is a survival mechanism. Well, yeah, I gotta, I mean, what are you gonna do, die? What are you gonna do, die? No, I don't wanna die. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? Oh, there it is, the sorrow. So, when the string comes to pull me all the way back into devastation and sorrow, which I used anger and resentment to survive, instead of getting pulled back into that feeling, I slow down and I'm going to go into my kitchen, reach into the cupboard and pull out a cup because grounding objects really work for me. A cup is a totally innocuous, innocent thing that I have. I didn't have any favorite cups as a kid. I didn't have my cup. There's no cup lingering somewhere in a dusty cabinet of a parent. It's like, oh, I used to love this cup. No, there was no one handing me water. But that's not happening now. So, in those moments of demotivation, devastation, the habit I'm going to change is that when that feeling comes, I'm going to recognize it, reach into my cupboard, pull out a cup, fill it with water, and head to the store. Because I do want to get started on projects And I want to leave room so that when I come home and my loved one has done whatever they want to do with their morning, if they say, hey, do you want any help with that? It's not about whether or not I need help. It's whether or not I want company. And the answer for me is yes. And it will feel nice. It'll feel different. Because it's not about needing help. It's about wanting company. And I do want company. I don't want to build a life where I live off, you know, bread and water alone. I haven't built that life. I have not built that life. I've got all the water I need. And yes, I want company. So that was my solo episode of Analyze This today. Um, I hope you guys are well. I love you. And... um, yeah, we can get more into to habit breaking stuff. There's a lot of a lot of topics on habit breaking and, and good things like that. But I kind of just wanted to bring up the the reactions or the reactivity that sometimes so much overwhelm us that we start to create a world different from the one that we live in. The world I live in is that I have a loving partner and a beautiful companion in this life. And that I am someone who wants to share in experiences. And that's the life I've built. And that's the life I will maintain. So, thank you for sharing in this experience. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Analyze This, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share it. Send it to a friend. Let them know you're thinking of them. Uh, Again, my name is Hannah Hart. You can find me across the board on the internet at Harto, H-A-R-T-O, or at this heart uh, at twitch twitch.tv slash this heart oh mine um you know tune in you'll never know what you're gonna get with that and it's a blast for me and all involved so uh again thank you so much for listening we have a patreon if you'd like to participate i'm going to be releasing some affirmations and stay tuned for an affirmations episode uh which i might uh record shortly well that's neither here nor there anyway have a beautiful day thanks so much analyze this self-help podcast that just can't help itself 
Share it with a friend. Share it. Love it. Let me know what you think. Talk to you later. Okay. Have a great day.